Well, good morning. It's so good to see each and every one of you uh, this morning as we gather for worship today. And it's also great to welcome those of you who are watching online and watching throughout the week. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Pete Moon, lead pastor here. And we're excited to welcome you into worship as we begin this first Sunday of Advent uh, throughout this weekend. Uh, As we do that, let me offer a couple of announcements. And the first is to highlight the fact that this year... Uh, Because of the calendar, things are a little bit different. Christmas Eve this year is on a Sunday. So that means that we've made some changes not only to the weeks to come, but also it means that on Christmas Eve, which is again a Sunday, uh, we're not going to have services on Sunday morning. We're going to have our four services throughout the day uh, in the afternoon and into the evening. We're going to give you a whole lot more information about that in the weeks to come, but we wanted you to give give you a heads up because we know many people are making Christmas Eve plans. So we will not have worship on Sunday morning, Christmas Eve morning, but we'll have it in the afternoon. But in that same vein, I want to highlight a really great thing that's going to happen this Friday night. Uh, Our Reveille Ringers with Daniel Benke will be over at the VMFA for two performances at 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock. And this is just a really nice evening. You can go in there and enjoy the music and enjoy the space and maybe have a little dinner. It's really a nice event. I encourage you to come and join us again. That's this Friday at 6 and 7 o'clock. Also, don't forget that we're beginning that season of Angel Tree with United Methodist Family Services. There's a, there's a Christmas tree in the Welcome Center. You can also find information about how you can participate in that online. Finally, I want to highlight the theme of Advent for us this year. It's entitled, Making Room for Jesus. And we're going to be talking each week about how in this crazy world, this crazy schedule, how do you and I make room for the most important thing, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, This morning, we're going to be speaking particularly about how we have patience and how this time can help us to abide and endure and be a people of patience and hope. But in the meantime, let's hold on to our theme that we are making room for Jesus. The Lord be with you.
The season of Advent proclaims the comings of Christ, whose birth we prepare to celebrate once again, and whose return and final victory we anticipate. In the busyness busyness of of our our lives, lives, and in the the hard-to-find moments of solitude, we keep watch for the coming of Jesus. Today, we light this candle as a symbol of our hope, And we seek to make room in our lives for Christ, the Messiah. We celebrate celebrate the coming coming of the promised one, the one who is most important. Let us worship the Lord. Let us worship the Lord through the singing of hymn number 211, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, stanzas 1, 2, and 5. Please stand.
Friends, now as we are trying to make, patient, make room for Jesus, let us now offer our word, the prayer of common confession together. Almighty God, we confess that we are an impatient lot. We want it and we want it all right now. We want you to rend the heavens and come down. We are busy people. We don't have room in our lives to wait. Forgive our lack of constancy. Forgive our anxiety-ridden prayers. Overlook our chronic compulsion to do and not wait. By your grace, as we enter into this Advent season, enable us to make room for you. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. There is a God who patiently loves and waits for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As people who have been forgiven, I invite you now to exchange signs of peace with one another, and I also would love to invite our children and our children directly to the front. myself. I'm Karen Rios, the Director of Children's Ministries. And if you are at home or worshiping with us online, please feel free to move closer to your screens because this time is for you. Hi, Thomas. Let's come on in and have a seat, friend. Well, hello and good morning. You guys all look so amazing. It looks like you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving and ate well. What do you think? Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Nice few days off? Hi, Virginia. Um, I have something with me. Would somebody like to tell me what this is? Yes, Izzy? It's a box. It is a box. But is there something special about this box? Nothing special about this box? It has a bow on it. What do you think, May Louise? It looks like it is a present box because this is the season where we are going to start giving things to friends and family, right? As a matter of fact, one of the coolest things that I get to do, and some of you were with me a few minutes ago, is that I get to learn a lot of things about a liturgical calendar. Did you know that Advent is the very beginning of the year. So we were with Miss Ellie Spear, and she actually greeted you by saying Happy New Year. 
But it's super special because we are waiting for a very special day. And what day is that that we are waiting for? Armas? Christmas, yes. And I bet, yes, Thomas? My, Christmas, my birthday is close to Christmas. Your birthday is close to Christmas? Wow. Very close. All righty. I'll give you a high five, my friend, for that. Awesome. Well, I, how many of you guys have already started telling your parents things that you want for Christmas? Okay, I see a couple of hands. Right, I can tell you my 11-year-old's already been telling me things that she wants for Christmas. And, and, and Thomas said he has been telling mom and dad what he wants for Christmas too. And grandma and grandpa. And aunties and cousins too. But... Okay, no cousins, aunties, just grandma and grandpa. Um, but what's really special is that within the next few weeks, we're gonna, you guys are going to get some things under the tree. But today, Pastor Pete is going to talk about the fact that this is the beginning of waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ. So I bet your parents have told you that it's not Christmas yet, so you're going to have to wait, right? You're going to have to wait. With ornaments, mm-hmm. and we have something. Okay, they're getting very active up here. So, would somebody like to open this box for me? Why don't you guys open it and tell me what is inside of this box? Nothing. 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 As a matter of fact, there is nothing in this box. Because I, they look very upset up here, just you know. Um, because this is a perfect example that we all are going to have to wait And even though waiting isn't really fun, we serve a God who makes waiting amazing. And he gives the best gifts sometimes when we wait. Will you pray with me, please, and repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. And thank you for your gifts. Especially thank you when we have to wait. Because even though it isn't fun, we recognize that some of the best gifts that we ever get are when we wait for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can get back to your seats. Thank you for helping me out today. You guys were very talkative. I think there was something special in that Thanksgiving Day turkey. Please join me now as we pray the prayer for illumination found in the bulletin. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen.
Today's first scripture reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. It may be found on page 606 of the Pew Bible. In this scripture, the prophet offers a heartfelt prayer of confession on behalf of a people beset by enemies. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake in your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the 13th chapter of Mark, beginning with the 24th verse. We invite you once again to listen for the Word of God. But in those days after that suffering, the sin will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey 
When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as your word is offered this day, it is our prayer that you would enable us to keep watch, to stay engaged, and to understand that to which you have called us in this day, in this season, in this age. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, as we just announced a few moments ago, we are beginning a sermon series that's going to extend through Advent. It's entitled, Making Room for Jesus. And to get us thinking about that and to kind of introduce the whole theme, I'd like to highlight an article I read this past week from Business Insider. It it highlighted the number of uh, high-tech CEOs who had started companies, who had had this founding vision. Uh, the, The result was the company just took off. But years after the founding and the success, these leaders were voted off the company. And it went through a whole list of folks not, that included quite a list, including Steve Jobs. You might remember he was uh, released from his company, even though he founded Apple, he was later put back on. There was a story of uh, Travis Kalanick. He was the UCLA dropout who founded the startup Uber, revolutionized transportation. The company made a gazillion dollars, but they, in a bunch of drama and conflict, he was released off the board. There was Groupon co-founder or founder Andrew Mason and Tesla co-founder Martin Eberhard. Every one of those stories is complex and nuanced, but they all share a pattern. Something happens with this founding person. There is this spark, this contagious energy. The, the company takes on business, a structure, and a lot of a lot. And hopefully you know where this is going. Because we are here today because there was another founder of a movement that began 2,000 years ago. And not a, none, not a one of us in the room would have elected to vote him off the board. But what if other things are happening in our lives? So perhaps he is at the table. But so many things fill our lives, fill our individual lives, so many things fill the world, fill our attention that gradually, bit by bit, we sort of dismiss him to the outer fringes. His voice is not a part of the conversation as much as it used to be. Indeed, there's no room for him in our lives and where there is so much. And that's exactly why we're here today. That's what this sermon series is all about, how you and I can take these four weeks of Advent and deliberately make room for Jesus. But if we are honest, as we look at our first readings, uh, at first impulse it doesn't seem that helpful because we open up, as we do every year in Advent, with these grand scenes of apocalyptic images, earthquakes and destruction and renewal. And we see all that, but you know what? This is the weekend after Thanksgiving. We're ready to get to Christmas, right? And we're ready to get to the angels and the, and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph in the manger. But we are forced in this text to wait, 
to wait just a little bit longer. It's true. At first glance, these texts, they don't seem to have much to do with Christmas. But you see, the beauty and priority and importance of these passages is they help us to go deeper. They help us to keep our Christmas from being sort of the the hallmark version. They help us to get real. We recognize that in this day and age, there are so many problems, things you are dealing with as you come into worship today. And not only that, there are so many issues that seem so big and overwhelming in the world that consume our attention. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. But see what these texts do for us? They say, our God is bigger. Our God is bigger than even that. That Even if we can't get our arms around the things that I'm dealing with right now, they remind us through the words of Jesus that our God can. And you see, our text from from Mark 13 is the premier illustration of it all. But to understand it, we didn't have time to read the whole chapter. But to understand it, you have to go back to the very first verses, the context and the setting. Jesus is there, and he's gathered with his disciples in front of one of the grandest, most magnificent buildings of the age, Herod's temple, which is in, was in Jerusalem. And the disciples are very impressed. Oh, what magnificent buildings, they say to Jesus. But Jesus is not as impressed. He says, and I quote, You see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And if you know your history, these, his words, of course, came true. Something like 40 years after Jesus offered these words, the Romans came into Jerusalem, conquered, and destroyed the temple. Indeed, no stone was left upon another. And in fact, it's the same as happened almost 600 years prior when the Babylonians came in and took the temple down in that age also. And even today, you can go to Jerusalem and you can see all the stones from that temple which are still there in a pile in the rubble. You go to Jerusalem today and see the one remaining piece of the temple or the retaining wall where Jews still pray at the Western Wall or as is sometimes named the Wailing Wall. See, Jesus says all these things are going to happen, and indeed they do. But his greater point is that this event of the temple is illustrative of what's going to happen in the world. He speaks of all these troubles, darkened sun and moon, stars falling from the sky, heavenly bodies being shaken. In other places, he talks about earthquakes and struggles. But he says these are only the birth pains for that day. When he will come again. Such intensity, such cosmic picture. It seems off-tune when we think of Jesus gentle and mild in the manger. But this is a reminder we have to receive every Advent and beyond. We say it every week almost in the Apostles' Creed. We say that we believe Jesus will come again to judge the quick and the dead. We're going to say those words in just a few minutes. But that's the old King James English to say that Jesus will come again to judge those who are alive and those who have died. We need to hold on to that. And remember, these words tell us that Jesus will come again and will make things right. And in all the things we face, all the troubles of the world, the violence, the struggles, the oppression, the injustice, all of those things 
facing all those. Do, do we not need to hear that again and again? You know, when I see this text, and then I, when I watch the news and all the events on the news, it's almost as if I can picture two parallel railroad tracks that point us to this text. On one hand, there's this, this railroad track, one side of the track that represents all the, the mess, the horror, the violence, the injustice that you and I see in this world. And then on the other track, I see, I read the Bible. I see what God says about love and how God will deal with the injustice, how God will heal, how God will come down, rend the heavens and come down. And you see, from our perspective, sometimes it seems, as we look into the horizon, that those two railroad tracks will never intersect. But Jesus says no. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And he gives us this word and a reminder that I will make it right. These two tracks, they will intersect. And indeed, we gather to celebrate and proclaim that they have intersected in the shape of a cross. Where my sin, my injustice, the world struggles, it's all addressed. And it's addressed through a loving Savior who sacrifices himself and is raised for you and me. And you see, friends, when we hold on to this truth, that Jesus is going to make it right, that the railroad tracks will intersect, it makes it a whole lot easier to live and be patient. It makes it a whole lot easier to forgive somebody when we recognize the truth of this text. It makes it a whole lot easier to not get angry when we realize the truth of this. It gives us the ability to not judge when we realize in the end Jesus is going to make it right. And when we hold on to that truth, it makes us and enables us to abide. And the beauty of it all is the miracle of Christmas that we find right here. That indeed, as we will say next week, as Isaiah says, comfort ye my people, that this is the God who comes to us. We may pray for God to rend the heavens and come down in violence and, and heal this sin and this shame, to bring us new hope and life. And he does, but he doesn't do it that way. Instead, it is as if our God pierces the darkness with a gentle light. And a child is born to a virgin in a small town. Our God has come down, but our God has come down in love. And our God has come down in gentleness. And our God has come down in hope. God's real. It does intersect because the harshness of the violence and sin and injustice of this world it meets against the tender love of a child in a manger. What power, what wonder. Who would have thought of all this? And this is so much better than a hallmark version of, Christian, of Christmas because that can entertain and that can help. But this understanding of Christmas, this understanding of God, this understanding of Jesus, it can change your life. It can change your life. Enabling us to be the people of which we speak, people of forgiveness, people who release our anger, people who do not judge. It can change our lives if we understand the power and make room for this kind of God. Now, friends, that's a very long way around, but we have to understand that if we're able to take hold of the very last line of the text, 
where Jesus gives his practical application, his command to you and me, where he says, and I quote, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, watch. In many ways, that, of course, is Jesus' call to us in this age to be people of abiding patience. And I find that this watching, this patience, is captured um, in a phrase in a book I've been reading these past weeks. It's entitled, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. It's written by a scholar Alan, and historian Alan Kreider. And it's a long book, but let me just say, what he says in this book is that the world is not changed in the same way that we often think that the world has changed. We think it's all the big stuff, the headline stuff. He says that's not the way it's changed. It's changed when regular people engage in this place he calls patient ferment. And the early church is his example. A persecuted small sect of people over three or four hundred years came in charge of the largest empire in the world. Now we can argue if that was good or bad, but it happened. And his point is that it didn't happen with the big stuff. Massive strategies or church planning, it just happened by regular people like you and me doing what we do, going to worship, teaching our children, living lives that stood out, salt and light. People saw that, wanted to be a part of it. And it created this contagious spark that fermented throughout the whole known world at the time and changed the world. And did it through the context of patience. But you know, we don't have to go that far to get a good example of this Christian perspective on patience. Because most of you know that this week we, of course, lost Rosalind Carter. And when I tell you what, when I think of her, and I think of her husband Jimmy, I don't think we could find a better contemporary illustration of Jesus' word to watch. Or as we've said, patient ferment. I couldn't find a better illustration of the real way that the world changes. Now, some of you were alive when Jimmy Carter was president. I have to admit, his election against Ronald Reagan, the very first election I was old enough to vote in, he lost that election, of course, but he also lost it in part because he struggled as a president. I think he would say that he didn't achieve all that he had hoped. And yet, and yet, what a life Rosalind and he have had over decades. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that they changed the world more by being a Sunday school teacher than by being a president. See, it's that patient ferment. Think of all the difference Rosalind Carter made back in the 70s. Nobody talked about mental health, but she emphasized it and she underscored it. Think how they started Habitat for Humanity. We just finished up a project out front here, which will continue in the months to come, but he started, they started all that. Think of how he worked for peace over so many places. Maybe it's true. Maybe you change the world more as a Sunday school teacher than you do as a president. And maybe you and I can do the same thing and follow Jesus' call to watch. And to do that by doing what we do, teaching our children the faith. Living lives that stand out as a, as a shining light. Being people of prayer. Being people of engaged uh, ministry who serve with the poor. The list goes on and on and on. But as we deliberately do what we do and live lives that are different, 
We are raised up as fermenting presence throughout the world that makes a difference. You know, friends, it is easy in this day and age to do that thing. To, to squeeze the person of Jesus off the board table. But in contrast, Jesus calls us, like the early church, like Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, to be people who watch, who engage, who deliberately endure in patience so that you and I can make a difference in this world. It is true sometimes. The world feels like we're on those rails, but we are guaranteed today that it will intersect. And in the meantime, Jesus calls us to watch, or as we shall sing, to be still because our God is on our side. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In that spirit, I invite you to stand and sing together our hymn of response, number 534, Be Still, My Soul.
us remain standing as together we say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed. You'll find that on page 881 of our hymnals. Let us join together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. have our prayers this morning. I do just want to make two congregational care uh, announcements that you'll see on the back of your bulletin. First of all, one of our members, Joyce Strokor, uh, died recently. Uh, her daughter is Roxy Bedroli, so I just ask you to uh, pray for Roxy and the Strokor family during their time of loss. And also, uh, Suzanne Niefler's uh, father has died recently, so continue to pray for Suzanne and her family as well. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we gather together this day with so much happening. So much happening in our world and in our lives. There are wars and there are rumors of wars. There is death and there is grief. There is injustice. And there is sickness and illness around us. And we long this day, O Lord. We long for hope. We long for peace. And we long for love. 
And so we pray this day, O God, that for all who wait, for all who are hungry, for all who pray, and for all who wander and for all who wonder, we pray that you would come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We continue to pray for the Middle East, for Israel and for Palestine and for the Gaza Strip. We pray for the country of Ukraine and for the war in Ukraine. We pray for Suzanne Niefler and for her family, for Roxy Bedroli and her family, and for all who uh, grieve any sort of loss these days. We pray for anyone who is suffering in any way in mind, body, or spirit. We give you thanks for the family gatherings that we have had this past week. But we also pray for those who are alone and for those who are lonely. And we pray for anyone who is traveling on this busy weekend. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with your hope. Come with your love. Come with your comfort. Come with your healing and your strength. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And help us in this season of Advent to be watchful, to stay awake, to stay alert, and to make room in our lives for your coming, O God. Hear our prayers this day. And now, in the silence of our hearts, we also lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O Lord, as we lift them all up to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'd like to invite our ushers to come forward that we may return to God our tithes and our offerings this day.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for family, for friends, for our church. We thank you for your word that lasts forever. We thank you for all of the many gifts and blessings in our lives, a portion of which we now return back to you. Bless these gifts, bless our prayers, bless our service, bless our presence. Use them and multiply them, that they may change the world. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to walk as a child of the light. Our final hymn is number 206.
O Lord God, living God of all, we do lift up our prayer as we are dismissed this day, that you would shine in our hearts, that you would make us abiding people of patience who know the reliability of your truth and your word. Inspire us, equip us to be agents of your grace and mercy and hope in this day which sees so little of it. Lord, surround us as we go to serve you and shine in the darkness as we go now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As all God's people say, amen. Go in peace.